everyone and welcome back to First Time Films. My name is AJ and I'll be your host for today's show. I'm a long time guest but a first time host on the podcast and I'm really excited to be coming on to host the podcast on David Fun- Fluncher's film Gone Girl. So more on that later but first let's introduce our guests. First we have Erin Michael, a very sleepy Erin Michael. How are you today? Hello. Um, <laughs> oh, so very sleepy. <laughs> and how's your day been so far? Um, I was at work for a grand total of 15 minutes, um, which was great. I really do love getting out of the house just to stand there for 15 minutes and look pretty and then go home. Did you get paid for that, though? I did. I got paid for a whole three hours. Oh, well. Yeah. Do you know what? That sounds like a highlight. So is that the highlight of your day so far? I would say so. Yep. Lovely stuff. And we've also got Grace Malik. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. And How what's the highlight of your day so far? Um, I didn't do much. I went out for a wee practice drive and I managed to reverse into a base spot in one go. So that well was a done. highlight. Well that done. Was a highlight. <laughs> the last time I was in a car, I was not driving, but... Uh, <laughs> The, the driver did reverse into a pole and it gave me the biggest fight of my life. So now I don't think I can finish my lessons. I've had enough. <laughs> okay, so great to have you guys on. So let, like I said, we're going to be talking on tonight's podcast about the film Gone Girl. So it's a 2014 psychological thriller dialect, directed by David Fincher um, based off a screen f- screenplay written by Gillian Flynn based on the novel of the same name. So... Let's before we get into what the film's about, let's just talk about our first initial reaction. So, Grace, this was your first time watching it, wasn't it? I'd seen like the start of it about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, this is my first time watching it like all the way through. So yeah, I thought it was really good. I'd like one of those rare films that I didn't scroll through my phone through. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Erin? What did you think? Because you've obviously seen it before, but what if you think back to your first watch of it, what did you think? I loved it, cause, uh, mainly because the pace of the dialogue really reminded me of His Girl Friday. Like, they do that really quick, like, mm. almost, like, quite disjointed, um, like, dialogue and back and forth. Um, but I really liked it. I really liked the film. Yeah, um, it feels like there's, like, no unnecessary moments. Like, it's really... Lean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the word. So, like I said, it's a psychological thriller set in the state of Missouri, which follows the events surrounding a husband, Nick Dune, um, who becomes the prime suspect in the sudden disappearance of his wife, who's and the husband, Nick Dune, is played by Ben Affleck, and the wife is played by Rosamund Pike. So, what did you think about the performances in the film? I thought they were really good. Like perfect casting, I think. Yeah, especially her. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, do you know what? I hadn't actually seen much of her before, but I think in this film in particular, she's just so captivating. Because not that she looks so normal, but she looks so much like the like yeah, classic, yeah, girl next door. Like which is covered in the film. She says that she's like the class, like she she's living up to this classic like cool girl look. But then there's so much deeper underneath what's going on which I thought was really interesting mm-hmm. and I guess for the first hour you do believe that you are like mm-hmm. oh for her for Amy mm-hmm. no, no. yeah so like I said the story slowly unfolds and we see the story from both the media's point of view 
and also through the view of the husband as we try and figure out what's happened to the missing wife. And then later on, there's a big twist. So um, we'll start with Erin. What did you think of the twist and how would you put it in like your own words of what how it unfolded and what did, did you figure out before they told you? Or I think that's that the curse. Out? It's the curse of doing a film degree. Um, <laughs> you kind of know. Um, but like... I, I didn't know what the extent that she would end up going to when, like, shit hits the fan and mm-hmm. she's, like, scrambling. I feel like I'm trying not to ruin it. Are we saying the ending? Yeah, we're going to say it. We're going to say it. That's what I'm saying. I'm wanting you two to both say it in your own words about what happens. Well, it just gets, like, more and more frantic about them both trying to outdo one another on Ben Affleck trying to be this, like, perfect Ken doll of a husband and her trying to be the fantastic wife um but as soon as he's starting to look good she starts to panic and does the weird um thing with neil patrick harris Mm -hmm. um, and tries to like be kidnapped by him poor guy he he he, she killed him right yeah 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 yeah. she killed him and made it look very very bad yeah Yeah, i'm kind of curious what her plan would have been if otherwise yeah, he hadn't done that TV appeal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, she. So, what I'll say for the listeners is um, the the film basically, for the first half, it's, it's sort of in three sagas. For the first saga of the film, we're following the investigation um, into into the disappearance of Nick's wife and we're following this investigation, and more and more stuff comes up that looks like uh, Nick, who's played by Ben Affleck, has has killed or murdered or like hid his wife somewhere and they're trying to figure out what happened to her and where she's gone and in the second saga of the film we sort of see that it, that she's staged it all that she's ran away she's not been murdered and it wasn't him she's ran away she staged it all she stayed the murder she's set up a crime scene she's flicked about her own blood to make it look like that he did it because she hates him that much and then the third saga of the film all of her plans to run away start to unravel and she has to run back to him and make it look like she was always missing. So And I completely forgot Yeah, I yeah. Forgot, like the game bit. Like mm-hmm. the fact that she put like clues. Yeah. In, and if you've watched the film you know it's like similar to that of they do on their anniversary every year where you like put clues to a sexual treasure hunt. Um but then he's like, she's hinting to him that she knows that he's going to be arrested for her crime that she did to herself. Yeah. Um, she's like really bloody messed up because like she could have left, but she's like rubbing it in his face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just think it gets darker and darker because I think when you realise that she ran away, you're like, oh, she ran away from this like abusive, unloving husband, mm-hmm. and now she's going to run away and stay away. That's fair enough. But when her money all her money gets stolen and she decides to like to find another path it just gets darker and darker she starts to tie him up deeper and deeper into this sort of like web of lies that you can't escape because he's not done anything but she's set him up in so many different ways that he can never leave her which i think is the scariest part yeah i think it's a weird thing as well because your sympathy totally shifts throughout the film i mean obviously you ultimately sympathize with nick but you are still like he even says, like, I'm not a good guy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a murderer, but I'm not a good guy. Like, I've cheated on my wife. I've taken her for granted. Mm-hmm. So you are, like, obviously her reaction is extreme. 
but you are like I can see how someone would get driven not to that extreme but I mean I can see why she was feeling the way she felt at the start of it all so you you are like it's quite good because it is just real people they're not perfect Mm -hmm. and I think the use of flashbacks like throughout the investigation back to the relationship shows like the happy start which most relationships like start out with where the, it's like romantic and exciting and then it, as you get further through their marriage you see the troubles they go through and I think you start to sympathise with them as people that they're just people in a marriage that they both want out of but don't know how to get out of but then it takes all these dark turns where it's it takes it to extremes mm-hmm. so we'll we'll Go with our questions. So, Grace, what was your favourite moment of the film that wasn't the twist? Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say the twist. The twist. <laughs> the twist. <laughs> I don't. Mm, this is maybe a bit of a grim bit, but I think it was the moment where is it the sister and she says like, "Wait, Missouri has the death penalty, doesn't it?" Because then you're like, yeah. "Right, okay, shit." There's actually a lot more on the line than you think. Like, it's not just a matter of him spending the rest of his life in jail. Is like, yeah he will probably get put to death for this. So just that kind of one line, you're like, yeah. okay, suddenly everything has jumped up 10 notches. Like, I know, and when I was watching it back, it like that's on the television, like right at the start. Mm. There's like a clip in the background of one of the scenes where it's like, Missouri has just announced the death penalty. And it's like, it just sort of heightens everything because it's like, because obviously as well as seeing it through Nick's eyes, you've seen it through the media's eyes and the whole point of the film is to show how the media can completely ruin someone's life yeah. based on truth or not. Yeah. And that's that's why um, David Venture, I think I think he said in an interview somewhere, that's why he chose Ben Affleck himself to play this part because he's been personally like um, under media, media oh, scrutiny. God. So he would, learn, like, he would understand the whole depth of the role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Erin, what was your favourite part of the film? There like, wasn't a twist. When I talked about the dialogue at the start, I mean, like, it's the main bit when they first meet and they're at the party mm-hmm. and they do this, like, weird back and forth that almost, if you, like, haven't, if you, like, ha- if you're, like, on your phone and you're not really concentrating on the film, it's as if they're speaking gibberish. Yeah, like, I had the subtitles on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you have to, like, really listen in and it's just, like, so quick and it really reminded me of like a 60s, really smooth um, kind of comedy. His girl Friday does it really well. And she's like walking through the office and just like giving off demands and people are responding to her like so slick without interruption or like stuttering over our lines. It's like, it's you, mean, just, you can yeah. almost imagine it in like, um, what's it like? Um, transatlantic accent like meh, 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 meh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it's like that sort of back and forth where there's there, there's no breaks there's no hesitations mm-hmm. it makes you both of them are obviously really intelligent but also yeah. they're, they're sort of expecting the same from each other and that continues on throughout the film as it turns into this game where they're both trying to one up each other exactly. yeah. yeah I think about, um, his, he's got like a really menacing smile yeah. yeah. What she does. I agree with that. I think that I'm tied my favourite part between her whole cool girl girl monologue yeah. just after the Classic. twist where she's dying her hair and all that and the the scene at the end where she which is really 
really morbid, but the bit where she's staging the like the murder of the character played by Neil Patrick Harris, and she's like she obviously like mimics that he's assaulted her. Yeah, and I just think that not that it was really smart because it's it's very like blunt and horrific, but it was just the quick thinking. It makes you realize that she's not just a woman that's been scorned. She's like a bit of a monster. Yeah, she's like, a, like psychopath. Yeah. yeah. The minute like you, you think that she's ran away, she's lost all the money. She's gonna run into the arms of Neil Patrick Harris, and that's gonna be it. She's gonna live with him. And then the minute she sees her husband on national TV saying he's gonna be this good man, she decides like the drop of a hat that she's over Neil Patrick Harris and just murders him. And I think that shows more than just a wife trying to get out of mm. a situation of frustration. It shows that she will do anything to get what she wants. And that's what makes her so dangerous, I think. Yeah. So, and, it, and it makes you think at the end, like, mm-hmm. will this something similar happen in, like, five years' time? Like, yeah. <laughs> we'll just keep doing it until she yeah. She's going to disappear every ten, five Fifth anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And speaking of the end, you can see that, like, once she's come home, he's like relieved that he won't get done for her murder. But he's thinking, like, what what is she gonna do next? And then she traps him right at the end. She traps him by like stealing his sperm to get herself pregnant or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Which, Which, I'm sorry, but like, I think she would get caught if the yeah. FBI is investigating it. I, I don't know. I just I was just at the end thinking like. Because surely they would work out that he hadn't kidnapped her. Yeah. I don't know. That was all that was going through my mind was like, I feel like she could get caught. I was kind of thinking, just move out. Yeah. (laughs) Just move out, I know. But then he would always be known as the man that was like, that made his wife run away into the murder and then left her. Yeah. And it also, uh, like, he probably just doesn't want to leave his Wayne with this psychopath. Yeah, because that's kind of what he says to the sister, isn't it? Like, Yeah, that he needs to stay, like, he's, that's gave him a reason to stay. But to be honest, for me, it wouldn't have been a good enough reason. Like, I would be like, you're having the Wayne on your own. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't consensual anyway. Like, she yeah. stole the sperm, so. Right, so what was your favourite part of her and? In- her like master plan you know when she's in the car she's eating the Kit Kat and she's telling you all the things that she did mm-hmm. what was your favourite part that you thought she's she's really thought this through hmm. I, weirdly the pregnancy part when she's like because mm-hmm. that is literally like there's no need for that but she's like oh, I'll just make people sympathise with me won't it yeah, stealing like, her friend's pee but the, the whole thought of Befriending her to steal her pee was mental in mind. Well, was it not more so as well because she was like, she's a, the local idiot, so she'll go and speak oh. to every man and their dog about me. Like, yeah. as soon as the police and the reporters show up, she'll be like, oh my god. Yeah. She just needed someone in her corner that made it look realistic. Yeah, and also quite good that her husband seemed to know nothing about it. So, like, yeah, that could be clever. Like, how yeah. do you keep a friend away from a family? Like, how do you keep a friend away from, like, a partner? Yeah. Any crossover at all. Because if you're if he's a neighbour, how clever is it if, like, she walks past? How, how do they not say hello and, like, yeah, stop? Ex- yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. yeah. But I think it just deepens that idea that they don't spend any time together and that, that when he leaves 
the house to go to work because he's like a lecturer or whatever that's when she would spend time with that lady just to build up this relationship behind closed doors mm-hmm. I also think it was quite clever you know this is when you're just like okay she's like so clever and calculated was the bit you know when she's at Daisy's house and she like kisses him but she like bites his lip and, like ruffles his shirt oh, and stuff God, yeah. and then like sends him on his way uh-huh. and I remember like and I was like oh all right bit rough <laughs> then you're like oh okay she's oh. really smart like she like, knows what she's up to uh, even yeah. like hand movements are like bloody calculated yeah yeah what I know you, what was your favorite bit the- I think really simply I like the bit where she like fucked up the living room but then put the picture back up so it looked staged yeah that's yeah that was my favorite bit because she knew that like she's obviously read in it like she saw the books and that she's proper like went through it and she thought should I put the picture back up should I and she's went no do you know what they'll see that and they'll know at stage and then that just I think just all that like it's like a game of chess like she's double thinked everyone's moves three Mm -hmm. times and that's what's given her the upper hand right until the end I know, like this sounds sick because obviously I would never do anything like that. But the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I could never get away with something like this. I would, <laughs> there'd be something I'd, one detail I'd forget and I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, one incriminating detail where you'd yeah. be like, oh, I fucked it all up. Yeah. Because her losing the money, I thought that that would be it for her. Yeah. But the fact that she somehow managed to turn it around again. It's quite weird because how did you guys react to that? Because I was all like, weirdly kind of like oh no <laughs> yeah I, I was worried I wanted her to get away with it at that point because oh, I don't know the whole cool girl speech it put me on her side I think yeah I was like do you know what she's escaping this marriage like he might have like done things we've not seen yet I was on her side until do you know when she's in that campground I really thought she was gonna murder that girl because mm-hmm. Because she was purely like, stealing her DNA in that, and that's what I was worried about. Like, and then when they stole her money, I was like, "Well, at least that's all they're gonna do, like steal yeah. her money and run away." But then when she she murders Neil Patrick Harris, I'm like, mm, "I don't think this is this is just you trying to escape something. You're just crazy." Yeah, I was thinking about it the other day, and um, have you seen a simple favor? Uh huh. No, but I know what you mean. It's yeah. so good. Is it? I thought vibes. Right, okay. Yeah, similar vibe. Definitely. Wow, it's like a comedy version of Gone Girl. Right, okay. Uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think that the, the last sort of part of the film, like the third part of the film, um, really turns into like almost satire. Like the yeah. fact like she's forcing him to to live this life that yeah she's they all yeah they all know the secret they all know the secret and the secret is that they hate each other mm-hmm. but they're having to live it up for the cameras because otherwise she could like again at the drop of a hat like end his life like put him in prison or whatever yeah and i think it's weird in like oh sorry grace on you go oh, sorry, i was just gonna say i think it is weird because at the end you do realize like in some ways like they are each other's equals like he was able to outsmart her and mm. like so you are like i can see why she's like we're perfect for each other like you're the man like that level of you is like who i'm meant to be blah 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 
but you're also just like, oh my god, this is so toxic. Yeah. <laughs> but you, I can see, like, it is quite an interesting dynamic because it is, they are very equal in a lot of ways as well. Mm. In that sense, I mean, like, able to outsmart each other. Yeah, and that, like, they're all, yeah, it is like a game of chess where they're all constantly mm-hmm. trying to one up each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the whole film is them just like, toppling this like balance of one getting a wee bit ahead and then it coming straight back down yeah ultimately that's why she came home yeah yeah i wonder if a part of her like had a plan b and that like that's what i was so calculated did she like think she was gonna come home well because i think the whole because was it all not meant to be that she was gonna kill herself and they'd find the body and then he would actually well he would get a death yeah but then, yeah. then I kind of was like, right, is her plan be just to live with Desi? Like, is she just... And then I think when mm-hmm. she was with him, you could kind of see her, like, she wasn't interested in him. Because mm-hmm. he was so, like, pandering to her. But I think her whole thing is that she wants someone to be on her level. Yeah. Whereas, well, like, she... Desi was just so, like, oh, I've wanted you for 20 years. Like, oh, you're amazing. Like, And then you got sympathy for... I've bloody forgotten her name. Um, for her because when she gets, like, beaten up in the... Uh, like camp mm-hmm. I completely forgot about what's that what's her name Amy Amy yeah. that's her name um, amazing Amy yeah. mm-hmm. which um, is another level to the story which is insane the whole amazing Amy thing yeah, yeah. and you like you do gain sympathy for her because like our whole childhood was A taken from her and then like completely put through like a creative ringer um, and it wasn't her own anymore um, I wonder if, oh my, this is taking it too far, but just I, I heard that we gasp, Grace. <laughs> you know, so excited. Her and Nick are always trying to outdo each other. I wonder if that's because she's always felt outdone by amazing. By amazing. Yeah. Do you know what? There that's we probably, go. Come that's probably the psychology behind it. <laughs> and you know what? She's amazing, Amy, now. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> But yeah, I I think that too. Like when he when she goes to Desi's house, I think she's like thinking maybe I could just stay here and be safe. And then I think she gets so bored so quickly that when Nick makes that plea, she's like, I couldn't stay here because he's so boring and I'm not feeling outsmarted. That she decides, let's up like like let's up the stakes and let's just go back and see what happens. Yeah. And I think it's just like one of those things where it's the game wasn't exciting enough for her. I know, honestly, like, I, like I don't think there should be a sequel, but I'd be so curious to see like what their lives are like post yeah. baby. Because <laughs> it was so surreal, like her just like being in the house now. Yeah, like because she was so ghostly. Yeah, I weirdly think they could go back to normal, but also like, I like. Could you? <laughs> like, I, suppose, I think no, you'd always be on edge, but like they've they've done the back and forth, and now they're just like equals again. That's like, what I mean. Like, yeah, and could they actually? If he doesn't run off with another twenty-year-old, yeah, maybe it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so the key themes of the film, there's like overarching themes of the media. So what did you think about the through line of seeing the story, like the gain? all the traction in the media because of her being Amazing Amy and what that did to, like, the the people actually on the ground, like, to the actual investigation. I thought that um, character, 
she called like Ellen Abbott or something. I thought she was like so interesting because she was just the most like infuriating. I think she was the most like character you hated the most in the whole film because you just I didn't yeah. have respect for it. I was just like, and I'm so glad that Nick got his kind of yeah his is yeah a moment at the end for her sympathy yeah she seemed so ruthless and it's just one of those things where you can see how quickly things can twist even though it's based on minimum evidence because the detectives don't even know what's going on yeah it was interesting to see how quickly nick was able to like figure out how to be in front of camera yeah because of those first couple of like things that he does in front of camera he's like smiling like awkwardly yeah. and like yes my wife is dying and I'm happy about it um yeah. but then he like slowly goes to the I'm a sad husband still looking for his wife yeah I thought that was quite a good wee like mini twist like the fact that he does quite well in that yeah. um, injury twist it yeah mm-hmm it's one of those things where it's like how do you know how to react in front of the camera when something like that has happened like how do you know what to say because you like if it was me I would just cry but then like but then see like if you were if if it was him and he just cried they would probably just turn around and say oh he's crying because he's guilty do you know what I mean yeah (laughs) like it was the bit when the parents spoke and they were like that's kind of when I was like, oh shit, he's not done it right. Like, he's not done what the media wants him to. Because the parents were like, oh, amazing, Amy. Like, we miss her so much. She's such a kind, lovely person. Whereas he was like, if you've got any information, call up the number. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, how can you really measure grief? Like, yeah. people yeah. act so yeah. differently. If you thought that your wife had been murdered or kidnapped, like, mm-hmm. you're not going to go in front of TV and be like, oh, please find my wife. You'd just be like sobbing your heart exactly and like any real uh, murder or kidnapping case in the media um always on youtube i come across um like behavioral analysis going over those pleats like media pleats and they're all saying they're lying every time yeah i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) because they're holding their hands in front of them instead of but like beside them and blah 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 like all these things (laughs) and it's like you must be especially if like because obviously he knew that he was going to, like, in the film, you find out that the day that she goes missing is her anniversary and he's about to go and divorce her. And if you knew that that was all in your mind and then your wife goes missing, you would feel guilty, not because you've done anything, but because you were going to end it all and now she's gone. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what just crossed my mind, actually, when you said that? Because you know how... So I wonder, like, did she know what was going to happen that day? Because... I don't know, like, that just crossed my mind when you said that because you know how, obviously, there's the bit where they're like, oh yeah, she told me to go have a think about it and she knew I'd go to this beach so I wouldn't have an alibi because no one would be there. Yeah. I was like, that was incredible timing. Like, she got it spot on that she knew yeah. it was that day that he said about divorcing her. Mm-hmm. Oh, she probably, she probably felt it. Like, you're in that cold relationship for so long. And then... He and I guess to be fair, she just needed to do, like, the blood and the table or whatever yeah the blood and table and then there was like leaving the the treasure hunt and all that behind for the for the detectives and for him i cannot believe that they used well we can but like emily radzkowski the radzkowski whatever her name is Uh oh like every time she like comes in i'm surprised that it's her no i'm the same 
I just think I know. Like blurred lines. <laughs> I know. I know. Do you know what? That wasn't the only case of odd casting, which I think is one of my only thoughts on the film that are negative. Is that I don't. I think that Neil Patrick Harris's character was completely miscast. I don't think yeah. it at all. Mm-hmm. And her as well. Like she definitely fits the like, young twenty-year-old. But I feel like I don't know. I don't think. I think it. It made enough sense to fit in but I think it was slightly miscast because I feel like it was I don't know why they used her because she's only in it for like five sec, like five seconds and yeah just because she's like, just like doing a cameo yeah yeah like in the- my head I'm just like oh Emily Ratajkowski's in it like you were saying Aaron, I don't think of her as being a character it's a, yeah it's, it is a weird film to have a dramatic maybe that's just cameo. an age thing though maybe if yeah. like, parents watched it they wouldn't but did you hear about him with Tyler Perry it was like he didn't know who, who he was, like David Fincher, so that's why he cast him. Oh my god. And then it was only afterwards that he was like, everyone was like, you do realise he's like Tyler Perry? <laughs> oh, I have no clue. But I quite like casting things like that, where it's like, you would not expect him in that role, but it does work. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah, what you were saying about Neil Patrick Harris, mm. like I feel like he should have been a little slimier. Yeah, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris is so smooth, just like and everything uh-huh. else. That that's what you think of him first. And I know I don't I don't think he was like creepy enough. Like yeah. I think Neil Patrick Harris is an amazing comedian and a great great performer, but he's and this he's just too normal looking and he's he acts a bit odd, yeah, but he doesn't act like, odd enough. Yeah, yeah. His, his face is just always very blank, but like the stuff he's saying is very pandering. Yeah. So I think it would be better if he was more irritating. Yeah. Like. Do you know what I mean more that you're like, oh, like kind of see why she she's like fucking hell I'm not getting stuck with you yeah because you understand that he has like weird vibes but I yeah. think the weirdness comes across from his character that like he's not saying anything more than the way he's actually acting like yeah. he's some weird casting in the past he was in Beastly with oh yeah Magic that and Alex Pettifer and as a blind like English <laughs> Yeah, and I like, like, he must just get on with people, and that's why they pick him. Right. Who would you have cast as it? Oh yeah, I don't know. Someone really creepy, or someone who I think hasn't played someone sleazy or creepy before, but would be good mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. Um. Oh, let me think. Let me think. You, you got anyone in mind, Grace? No, because I actually hadn't overly thought about his casting. I kind of no, right, but then now that you said it, I'm like. Yeah, and again, I don't know if it's just an age thing that we're like, oh, it's Barney. Like, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's like he has too much pop culture reference for us to understand him in this role. Oh, oh, what about Andrew Garfield? <laughs> um, maybe, maybe yes. Andrew Garfield. That just pops into my head. Yeah, Actually, yeah, I kind of see this. Yeah, I'm thinking even Robert Pattinson, just because I think he's. Like obviously he's coming into a bit more of a serious acting career now, and he was so good in ten that I think he could. I think he could could have done that, but it's a bit Ooh. small of a cameo for him. I, I think know. it just needed to be someone a bit more whiny or like a bit more. Oh, Daniel Radcliffe! Oh, that would have been amazing, Daniel Radcliffe, because he's got that sort of weird, like tiny boy. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we've decided. We'll we we'll, we should. <laughs> Daniel um so is that everything i think that's 
I think that's us wrapped up on all my questions for the film. Is there anything else you just want to talk about about your general thoughts before we do our, our scores? Mm-hmm. What did you think about the ending? Did you think it was cathartic enough or did you want more? I like it because it keeps you thinking like, oh God. Like, mm. it, it doesn't resolve. I mean, it does, but it, yeah. you know that they're going to keep going that way, so I think it's good. Exactly, and I like the how they ended up kind of coming out like a balanced couple, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that classic film where it's like status quo, disruption, status quo, but the status yeah. quo. And they do the same shot that they do at the start at the end again where she's right. lying on his lap. But for some reason her look at the end is more like scary. Yeah, because yeah, you know what she's done. But, yeah. Do I think it's all... degree by any chance? <laughs> what? Do you have a film degree by any chance? Um, <laughs> not that I know how to do anything with it, Ellen, <laughs> but yes, I do. I think everyone in this call has a film degree. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? I think, yeah, I think that's one of the things with David Fincher. I think he is notorious for being incredibly picky and will get people to mm-hmm. do shots over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think that that look right at the end must have been done like a hundred times because it's yeah. so perfect and so different from the, the same shot at the start that you can you almost see the entire like weight of all the stuff that's happened in the film in her final look. I've heard as well they've got to be like if you're an actor in that film you've basically got to be like ready to go on the day of shooting which I know like obviously you're meant to be anyway but you hear some directors being like play around with it but apparently with yeah. the future is literally like no. You have to be perfect. Because I, I remember seeing like a... Well, I've heard Army Hammer talking about it before. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then with Rosamund Pike, I remember seeing like she did an interview and she was saying like basically she had to rehearse the scene with Desi but without um, Neil Patrick Harris because she had to like rehearse it on her own. So she bought like... I'm sure it was something like a massive inflatable like Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Like wrestle with it or something and she was like because I had to be like perfect on the day like I, I don't know if it's whether he insists on that or whether you're just nervous to muck up but. yeah I think I read that he like he like whittles things down to like the slightest hand movement and that sort of yeah. stuff so I think if you're walking on the set you have to know your exact like blocking where you're moving to because if he wants to change little things like that you have to have everything else down first do you know what I mean yeah which is fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So what do we think? Overall scores, Erin, give us your overall, like sum it up in one sentence and give us your score. Are we out of 10? Yeah, out of 10. Uh, Are we out of 5? I don't know. Wait there. <laughs> David, is it out of 10 or 5? Not not like David, he did anything. <laughs> no, no, David, <laughs> David just... <laughs> We're just like calling out Okay. I'm going to say like an 8.5 but I don't know why I don't give it that 1.5 what do you think it's lacking give it give it your what could it what could it do for you to get that extra 1.5 okay I'm going to go 9 9 what could it do to get that extra 1 um oh god maybe Um, the casting (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah I think if they got Harry Potter to be yeah. quite sleazy and a stalker <laughs> then, then it would be a 10 
I think that's what it's holding them back. <laughs> and what about you, Grace? See, I was it, I was gonna give it a ten because it's like it's not my favorite film. Like it's not like no. one of my favorite films ever. But I think for what it is, like I can't really spot any faults in it. To be honest, I know what you mean about the casting, but like yeah. But I think as it like if I was like a fifty year old watching it who'd never seen How I Met Your Mother or Blurred Lines video. Yeah. I think you and I think like we were saying earlier about the dialogue like it's so quick like there's nothing in it that you're like oh c- come on like they were just padding out that but like I think it gets to the point in every scene it's two and a half hours long but I don't think it feels it like no I would you're not on like you can't really go on your phone for a second like you don't want to so yeah I'd say 10. Yeah I think that's also like a really good like way of telling if a film's good if you like yeah. don't feel the need to go on your phone. Exactly yeah. and I think as well like character wise you could probably if you so wanted to you could probably invest like and analyze like even the kind of secondary characters like the sister yeah the, the detective police yeah or the detective yeah like desi the lawyer like oh yeah the lawyer all He's of the kind of, even supporting characters are really well rounded i think as well yeah absolutely I think the same. I, I'm going to go 9.5 and the, the 0.5 is just mm-hmm. out to, again, casting. But I think, I like Grace said, if if I didn't know who Neil Patrick Harris was, maybe I, I would feel differently. Definitely. I think that, yeah, I think the casting, apart from that, has been really good, though, because I think Reese Witherspoon was meant to play Amy. Yeah, and then, I saw that. And then, then they changed it, and I'm glad that they did because I don't know, I don't know if she would have been as good. No, I don't think she would have either. For it, I think as well because, like you were saying about Rosamund Pike, once you look back on her filmography, you're like, oh, okay, I actually do know what she's been in, but you don't have any pre-existing images of her in your head, like any. Yeah. yeah. Like. And I, I think it works. Bubbly, legally blonde. Oh, and have Reese, having Reese Witherspoon in it might have done for other people what having Neil Patrick Harrison yeah. in it has done for us, which is making you think of all the other things she's been in. Whereas having Rosamund Pike, who m- maybe this was like her obvious, not her biggest film, but like the film where she was the main cat, the main it really protagonist. Really breakthrough. Yeah, and I definitely think that that aided to it because she she did look like the girl next door, and that's why her story was so believable in the first act until you found out what a sort of monster she was. Yeah. So now that we've given our scores, so that was 8.5, 10 and 9.5, so pretty high. Well, David wants us to talk about David Fincher's other films and what our favourite film is that he's done. Um, Social Network. Social That's Network. Like one of my favourite films of all time, anyway. But, yeah, and yeah. what about you, Erin? I'm not, like... Uh, googling it at all or anything right now. I just to read them out to you. I've got them all. What about Fight Club? Do you like that? Um... Do you know he's got a film that's just came out today? What is it? No way, really? Yeah, I, th- I thought that's how David had done it, but he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently about the making or the writing of um, Citizen Kane. Oh. And it's, but it's from like, I think it was like Orson Welles was arguing with someone else over like who actually wrote it or I don't know but it's out today on Netflix called Mank and it was like his dad wrote it and then he, he was meant to make it in like the late 90s 
Yeah. But he just never got around to it, and then his dad died, so that's him making it now. Yeah, like I've just Googled now. 1930s Hollywood is reevaluated through the eyes of scathing wit and alcoholic screen- screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish Citizen Kane. But it's Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried, so. Yeah, and Lily Collins is in it. Oh, yeah, I have forgot about that. I'm kind of curious about it. My favourite David Fincher is Seven, but that's just because... Oh, yeah, I forgot that was I love well. Seven. I love Seven so much. God, he does a lot of good films, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> who would have known? Who would have known? He's done Fight Club Seven, Gone Girl, Zodiac, The Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Alien 3. But he, do, he I think he says that he doesn't consider Alien 3 as his film. I was going to say, because was that not like his first film or something? Was it? Something, it was in 1992. Wow. And then Panic Room, and then World War Z as well. The boy needs a break. I yeah, know, he does, he does I think, films as well, doesn't he? Yeah, like, like he's, dark films. Yeah, he's ha- he's best known for psychological thrillers, and he's received thirty nominations in the Academy Awards, including two for best director. Wow! So he's 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 in the big bucks. So mine is definitely seven because I love the, I love the like noir vibes. David, see with the social network, I love it, but I don't think it's because of David Fincher. I think it's because of the script. So yeah, that's why. If, it, if it's to do with directing, I'd say Fight Club. But mm-hmm. uh, okay, I was going to agree with you and say about the social network and the script because it's similar to that of like Gone Girl and the like smoothness and like, so, like, like yeah, and Gone Girl. Uh, I think most of the the smoothness and this the pace and all that is again down to the screenplay, but great direction as well because he's yeah. so meticulous yeah but yeah i think seven i love a bit of neo-noir psychological crime thriller <laughs> what what is like what would you class a social network as as is that psychological biopic as long as aaron sorkin said he'd write another one as so long as david fincher directed it I think he's kind of said like, I might direct it, yeah. So who knows? I've only I've only seen the Social Network once, but I think it gave me the fear because I'm scared about people hacking into my social media, and that's basically like yeah. what it, what it's about. Oh nah, like it's it good. I never thought a film would make me feel slightly sad for Mark Zuckerberg, but yeah, <laughs> it no. and it's like naturally funny, but it's not yeah. because yeah, he's funny, but it's yeah, yeah. So, so Grace, you're saying the social network. I'm saying seven. Yeah. And are you saying the social network as well? Yeah, I'd say so. Lovely, lovely stuff. And now we'll move on to our news. So our first piece of news is a sad, sad piece of news, which is Sean Connery's death. R.I.P. R.I.P. Scottish, Scottish legend. Yeah, Scottish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I knew I, I knew I definitely thought that was true, but I was I, I doubted myself in that second. Did you think it was just a rumor? <laughs> imagine, imagine. Yeah, Sean Connery was a uh, Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, do you know what? To be honest, I I've not seen actually that much of Sean Connery in it, but I do know who he is. Yeah, I was like, found it a bit of poor taste of now TV. Because I was like going on doing my usual evening like flick through every single streaming show to watch rewatch something again. But like on Now TV there was a whole thing being like 
I don't know what to say, like David, no, David Fincher's wrong person. Sean Connery's like best. And it was like all of his films. No, remembering Sean Connery. I was like, that's a bit on the yeah. <laughs> That is a bit. up of old films that no one's watching anymore. I know, that's nobody, yeah. But he's he's famous for being the first Bond yeah. and, and starred in Bond films from 1962 until 1983. And he's a favourite Bond of like... I was going to say he's a lot of people's favourite, isn't he? Yeah, and he's been in so many films. I was looking through his uh, like all of the films he's been in um, before the show, and you have to scroll for a while. <laughs> but a lot of them, like obviously, I've never seen because it was before my time. But you just can appreciate the amount of time. I'm kind of curious as well because see when like there was news reports of his death, it was all like what a great legend and a versatile actor. And in my head, to be fair, I've barely seen any of his films, but in my head, I thought the joke was with Sean Connery was that he always played the same part, like he always had the same accent. Like, you can... So I'm kind of now curious. I'm like, have I, have I been ripping this guy for no reason? <laughs> like, is he actually a versatile actor? But... Uh-huh. Well, to be honest, the only film that I actually, like... This is terrible. I don't really watch Bond films and don't Maybe. really care about um, but the only film that I recognised him from was Dragonheart, which is a 1996 fantasy adventure film in which he plays the dragon. <laughs> so I think that's versatility for you there. Seriously. So maybe that's what they're talking about. Maybe they're like, oh, he can play a Bond dragon and, and he can play a dragon. <laughs> I so, like to well, I don't really... I keep unmuting myself when I try to speak. Um, Indiana Jones. Oh, can yeah. I forgot oh about God. that. In the last yeah. crusade. Yeah, exactly. And they're just good fun, and so is he. Yeah, I do like Indiana Jones. Is it not the newer ones that Shia LaBeouf was in? Yeah. It's Megan Fox in one of them. Anything? No, is she? No, that's Transformers. Never mind. Yeah, I'll just say that's Transformers. Yeah, anything that Shia, Shia LaBeouf's in, I'm here for. <laughs> I like I'm him as for. well. It's like that, do you remember that YouTube video that went viral when we were younger where it's like you, you can't ever run from Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> Have you seen it? Oh, it's, it's so funny. It's, it's this composer wrote a song about Shia LaBeouf and then there's like a music video where it's like people on the stage interpretive dancing with Shia LaBeouf paper mache heads on and Shia LaBeouf is the only person in the audience watching it. Oh, yeah. is that when he's like crying? Yeah, and it's I've like... You'll never run away from Shia LaBeouf. He's running up behind you, Shia LaBeouf. That's how the song goes. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you and you're going to hell. So the last piece of news is Johnny Depp being asked to resign from the yeah. like Fantastic Beasts franchise due to... Well, it's not due, specifically due to, but because he recently lost his court case against the Sun um, and their alleged... like. Um, headlines about his um, relationship and alleged abuse against his ex-wife. So what do we think about that? I cannot thought... up with like, any of the cases or like who won what or like who, who, who do we trust? I, I don't know. I thought this was a really interesting week for this to happen because when we're talking about Gone Girl and like the media flipping, and flipping oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly because I was saying to David before we started this I was like 
for ages social media was like he's a good man like uh-huh. he he yeah. would never hurt a fly and then I was like oh god that's awful he's getting accused and now you're yeah. like hmm in a court of law it said that he's not a good man yeah. so I'm like I don't know I'm just, yeah it's better something just to not really and I think that's case. why it's so hard to like keep up with like who side you're on because exactly. if you're on Twitter and stuff and then they're on his side but then you read like the actual articles and court transcripts it's actually he's very much in the wrong in the wrong yeah exactly yeah. I think so basically the, the knowledge I have of up to date is that he was done basically for like being a wife beater or whatever and then Amber Heard his ex-wife came out and said whether they were both just as bad as each other and they did it to each other but then the he decided to sue the son for abandoning the wife beater but then there was a whole 10 long 10 long day court case which then decided against him that they can brand him as a wife beater because he did in fact like physically abuse her whether or not she did it back well then I saw something that was saying the only reason the son won the court case was because they could argue that at that time with the information they were given yeah. They thought he was a wife beater. So some uh-huh. people are like, that doesn't technically brand him a wife beater. It just like means that the son was able to use that title because that was the information they had at the time. So it was all very confusing. Yeah, but in the I case mean- that came out that um like Depp had like beaten her up by on twelve occasions and eleven say, of yeah. those she feared from her feared for her life. Yeah. So that at that point proved him to be that exactly yeah. what they were calling. Yeah. <laughs> The day after they had won that case by pleading the fact that they were fed that like information, therefore they thought it was right. That's yeah, yeah that's then, yeah. it's like it's all about intention, isn't yeah. it? And at that point they intended even though the sun isn't obviously the best no. the best tabloid, it is a tabloid and it is a news like source of it's news and they were like, Yeah. But yeah. the day they won, they then published like their article and it was like Johnny Depp was the wife beater. <laughs> yeah. Just what yeah, you saw that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the most the, the most recent addition to the saga is Sharon Osborne on the telly defending them, saying that it takes two to tangle. That came out today. But yeah, so he's, not- he he was asking me. What is it? I hadn't heard that. So see, when you're like, the latest edition is, and I was like, oh, is it going to be him getting fired? They went, Sharon Osbourne. Like, Hell is it? Oh, no. What's no. Done now? So the latest thing was that, uh, the latest thing that we were going to talk about is that Warner Brothers asked him to resign mm-hmm. and said he's respectfully accepted their decision. He stepped yeah. down. But when I was Googling it, I found out that Sharon <laughs> Osbourne today <laughs> was uh, on the telly. Yeah, so it says that she shockingly said on on television that he doesn't deserve to lose his Hollywood career and that um, Amber Heard gave as good as she got and it takes two to tango, which is strong words. I didn't realise Sharon Osbourne was a part of their relationship, but... (laughs) (laughs) Why is she piping up? But then she went on to say, which I don't think is um, putting any wind behind her argument, she's went, 
Um, I have a relationship like that with my husband. Sometimes oh. our relationship with Ozzy is so volatile that I would wake up in the morning without my two front teeth. Oh. I don't think that. I think that. But yeah, so that's that. So, um, are we gonna miss Johnny from the Fantastic Beasts? To be honest, I never really like got into them. I've never watched them because I remember when the first one came out was when the whole case with Amber Heard started and I my whole life had loved Johnny Depp and Tim Burton yeah. and then they both came out to be um misogynistic abusers so I, I, I lost all all faith in their work and therefore didn't watch Fantastic Beasts even though I do love Harry Potter but I hate J.K. and that is what it is I just think we need to like bloody tie up Harry Potter and leave it somewhere else oh same yeah. the fact that you go into Primark and there's still like new merchandise coming out I'm like oh fuck like boots are now doing like makeup Harry Potter inspired <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing is, I got I thought we would get to this point, you know, twenty twenty, and not that people would be over it, but it'd be like a thing of the past. Like, do you remember when Harry Potter came out? But Wayne's now are still watching it and reading it yeah. because I was asking my auntie what I should get my um, little cousin for Christmas, uh-huh. and she's like, "Oh, she's just started reading the Harry Potter books and she's obsessed." Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, God. So I had to go into Primark and buy all the Harry Potter stuff for her Christmas, and I'm like, I look like I'm living in the past to be fair I guess for that then it is an easy gift isn't it yeah it was an easy gift I wonder though is if this is really just gonna like sink that new franchise though like the Johnny Depp thing well do you know what I don't think it had much behind it anyway I think it's aimed at kids yeah. so it's not aimed at her yeah. it's not aimed to get a new bunch of people into Harry Potter so they're just gonna recast his role aren't they I think so either that or bring in a new Baddie. Yeah. Because they've also got the Harry Potter play in London. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They do need to stop. I don't think Jiggy <laughs> really needs any more money. It's not doing anyone any favours anymore. I know, especially like her on Twitter. I oh, think they should just, I think they should just like hedge their bets, take what they can. <laughs> <laughs> take what they can and then just leave it because the films were beautiful just let it go yeah exactly so I think that I'll just give it another 10 years and there'll be a remake <laughs> yeah okay. you know, I'd, love, I'd love a remake that doesn't involve J.K. Rowling because she only she, she co-produced the first four films or three films I can't remember so now I refuse to watch them so I would quite like them to reproduce well not reproduce like mm-hmm. remake without her involvement because mm. I know she wrote the books and you can never get away from that but mm. it is a good story it's just she's a bad person and on that note <laughs> and on that note see ya thank, thank you for listening <laughs> great to have an all girls show we should do Ooh. it again Ooh. no offence David but <laughs> we're taking over we're just better yeah. that's what it is I'm a misandrist we're just better so that's that on that, and we hope everyone has a lovely night, day.